I'm Chris from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show taking a look at the greater Marvel Cinematic and Television Universes, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other marvelously geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 278 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we engage your podcast audience in multiple locations online by cross-posting. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we explain why podcasting on YouTube is still recommended for hobby podcasters. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we run down some great feedback from our previous episode. Lauren, start the show now. This is Better Podcasting. We are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. You've reached episode 278 of Better Podcasting. I'm Steven, but I'm a footnote because SP's here. Yes, he's legally obligated to do that via our contract, which is legal in at least two countries. And it is great to be podcasting again. We got a lot of great feedback from last episode. So thank you very much for tuning in and listening. And we hopefully have a great show for you today. But before we start, we just want to say we do in the future have a How I Saved Your Podcast story to tell. We're not going to do it today. Oh, no. Oh, no. But it's coming soon to a better podcasting podcast near you. I'm super excited for that, How I Saved My Podcast story. I know it's been a few weeks in the making, but it will be lots of fun to have in a future episode. But today, that's not what we're talking about. No, we're talking about something else. Because if you think way on back to when you started podcasting, SP, I know it was a very different time. That was a long time ago. It was a simpler time. Essentially, if someone was hobby podcasting, they created an RSS feed and then went and posted the show to iTunes. Yes, I did say iTunes. But then somewhere along the way, things became a lot more complicated. There were suddenly more places that began to curate podcast feeds. And this meant that if someone was going to try to have more reach with their podcast, then basically there was a lot of manual work that was involved in order to try to get your podcast listed on these different places. You have to manually submit your RSS feed to them, maybe submit an application form. Other times it was a little bit simpler with a couple click links, but it was a manual process nonetheless. And sometimes these places were even exclusive to certain podcast media host providers. Well, all of that's in the past because times have changed mostly. In the year 2023, when we're recording this episode, there still is a degree of work that somebody needs to do to be able to be listed in a bunch of different places, but it's not necessarily as hard as it used to be. And also, you may not even need to be in the latest and greatest place. Maybe it's not even greatest, but we'll come back to that a little bit later. Today, we want to talk all about this idea, the idea of posting your podcast to a bunch of various distribution sites, some of the benefits that come by having your podcast everywhere, and some of the challenges that you might face by doing that. 
And there are some challenges that you will face if you're going to go and submit your podcast to a bunch of these different distribution locations. So let's get into it right now. What do we mean by distribution sites? Well, we mean things like Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes. Yes, iTunes still exists today. Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon, Amazon Music, YouTube, TuneIn, Player FM, Radio Republic, Podbean. Even you can distribute your show to even if you don't host your show on Podbean. And that's just to name a few. And there may be some distribution sites that are region specific because of your location, such as Pandora. It's only available in the U.S. Although your podcast feed is using a standard RSS feed, the reality is that for most of these places, you need to submit your show to them in order to be listed. You don't just create an RSS feed and it magically appears. You have to submit it. So why would you want to be in these distribution providers? Well, the first reason is perhaps a bit obvious. The more places you are, the more likely is that somebody can find you. For example, a lot of people infer that Apple Podcasts is really the only place you need to be. But in 2023, you're going to only get a portion of potential listeners. There are lots of users out there who just simply aren't on Apple products. And they may use things like Spotify to find podcasts. If you're not listed there, you're not being found. But here's another reason to be listed. You probably should claim your show. A lot of these places have some form of authentication process, such as verifying with an email address that is in the RSS feed to prove it's you that own it. But sometimes there are nefarious actors that get creative, like spoofing your RSS feed and your podcast content with different creator information and then try to own your feed. For example, if somebody sent a fake Better Podcasting feed to one of these places, they might start to get some listeners and eventually they could swap it out for their own show. Next thing you know, our moms are now listening to a far, far better podcast because it wouldn't be us. It would be somebody that knew what they were doing. Valid. <laughs> but seriously, if you get your show in these places first, it helps limit the potential of getting your feed spoofed or at least gives pause if somebody searches and sees two podcast results for the same name. Now, another reason you may want to consider being in all these different distribution destinations is, well, future-proofing. Right now, we think in 2023, there's really a couple lead places, and, and it's Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those are really the two big places in podcasting right now that we think people should definitely have their show on. But it wasn't that long ago that the whole battle, the whole discussion behind the scenes in the podcast industry was basically people anticipating the future being a battle between Apple and Google, whatever random version of podcasting they felt like doing at that given time, any day of the week. I digress a little bit just because, you know, Sorry, a little Google tangent there because we've lost track of how many different podcast services they've had. But the point of the matter is that people thought it would be an Apple versus Google thing. And then Spotify came in here and just, just made themselves a real player. So it's now an Apple versus Spotify thing. So Spotify kind of show, showed that you never really know who's going to be the next big player. So if you get yourself in one of these areas now, it's a little bit better maybe 
then trying to chase it later. So that all sounds really good, right? No downsides to it whatsoever. Well, actually, there are potentially some definitely downsides. And the biggest downside we want to talk about is to do with the fact that podcasting is still relatively a new medium. There's no governing body. And as such, there are limited established standards for podcasting. And while in general, many of the podcast distribution catalogs have respected their elder and followed suit to the senior citizen in the group, that would be Apple Podcasts or iTunes, depending on where you actually get the files from. This doesn't always translate to everyone being aligned on what they want to see in the podcast standards. For example, many sites may want to see artwork at a certain size while others want to see it differently, whether it's the shape, uh, the, um, the file size itself, the pixelation, whatever. Some podcast providers may suggest naming your podcast with keywords in the title for discoverability. Others, like Apple, may call that keyword stuffing and want those removed from the title. And heck, sometimes there are even different suggestions or even requirements for the technical specification for the audio file of your podcast. Some like mono versus stereo, right? Some are at a lower bit rate versus higher bit rate. And I'll give you a couple examples. I searched for this before the podcast. Amazon and Spotify are still recommending 260, 256 kilobits per second stereo. Buzzsprout only publishes at 96 kilobits per second. In mono, you have to pay extra for 192 kilobits per second, and they don't give 256 kilobits per second. That's because their rationale is that's all that's needed. Well, okay, but Amazon and Spotify actually want more. So who do you go with, right? And there's also technical specifications for the maximum file size, maximum size of your artwork, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's different specifications out there. You mentioned that Amazon and Spotify like stereo, but Buzzsprout is only mono. Do you think that eventually these two are going to go mono a mono? Spotify and <laughs> Amazon? Maybe. I mean, there are two joke. up Just continue. Just continue. <laughs> I know it was a joke, but I was trying to be serious about it. Amazon is also an up-and-comer. It doesn't necessarily have the numbers of downloads statistically that Spotify has, but I think we're getting to the point where it eventually might. So, yeah, they could go mono e mono They could go mano e mano I don't care. We'll see what happens, <laughs> right? And all of these differences mean that it's not always a one-size-fits-all approach. And so it can become very complicated to create your RSS feed or your podcast content to match all of these requirements. Some people actually produce different files for different sources. That's a little mind-boggling for me, and I do not recommend that for hobby podcasting. It also might mean keeping track of a variety of different accounts to manage these different locations. Not to mention, what about the idea of even getting your podcast in there in the first place? Do you need to take a day off of work or school, sit down with a generic Canadian cold one and start submitting form after form after form after form? I know this is a little joke, but I actually remember doing this way back in the day where I took like a Saturday afternoon and I submitted to like 50 different places where the podcast distributions were. You might have had more success if 
49 of those weren't being submitted to me directly. <laughs> I mean, there were some like Microsoft had one and th there was just <laughs> different places and you had to go directly to it. I mean, I don't want to be the old fogey here, <laughs> but it was very different back 15 years ago than it is today. Back in my day, I had to walk uphill two ways to submit an RSS feed to a distribution destination. Now, is that going to be in the cold or the rain or cold <laughs> rain? I mean, it could be snow too, right? Okay. Anyway, all of that work and management sounds like a big hill to climb both ways, right? But maybe a necessary one. After all, there are a lot of benefits to this. Well, here's the thing. The year's the 2023, and it might not actually be as bad as all of that sounds. Because lucky for you, if you're starting your podcast now, or maybe you're just thinking about changing your podcast media host, in recent years, a lot of mainstream media hosts have started building different ways to basically take care of all of these things for you and automatically submit your podcast to these different distribution sites. But it goes beyond just that, because many of them will actually create a special version of your RSS feed to make sure that the information in that feed is provided in a way that matches some of those different recommendations that we alluded to earlier. And some of these media hosts, it's just a matter of taking a couple of forms to be filled out, clicking a couple check boxes, maybe agreeing to a couple things, and then off to the races you go, they take care of it all. But not all media hosts do support this right now. A lot do, but not, not all of them. But in 2023, we do think that it's a factor you might want to think about if you're going to be choosing a media host, because this can be a lot of work if they don't support this option. So how do you decide if a media host will be the right fit for your distribution needs? So should you just pick the media host that provides the most different distribution destinations? Well, unequivocally, we say no because you should probably think a little bit about what the central theme has been for season three of Better Podcasting. It's your audience. Think about your audience. What is your target audience and where might they most likely be looking for you? And also think about where's the least likely place that they might look for you as well, because these are the things that are going to be relevant for your potential audience. For example, Let's say that I'm going to go do Stephen Super Moostacular Canadian Maple Syrup podcast with a big focus on connecting with fellow Canadians. I might not care about whether or not my media host supports Pandora because Pandora is a U.S. exclusive service. So if my podcast is targeting other Canadians, then that's probably going to be the bottom of my list as far as whether or not I care to distribute to Pandora. It's not my target audience, but let's say that SP is doing a podcast called the Appleholics Anonymous Podcast. You know, these are former Apple fanatics that are working their way over into the Android ecosystem. Well, he might be wanting to prioritize Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts because both of these might fit into that target audience of both Apple users and Android users. Okay, so both these examples, they're kind of silly. They're very silly, but the point remains, you want to think about your audience. Where do you think you might have the most priority for your focus of potentially getting listeners through there? 
what are some must-have locations and what can you go without? Then you should put the appropriate amount of weight for these distribution locations, or maybe the lack thereof, into the other considerations that you're looking at when choosing a media host. Now, we're not going to get into any of those other considerations. There's a lot to be had, and that's not this episode, but you should maybe think about whether or not the media host supports these desired locations when you are considering where to host your podcast in the year 2023. All right. It's simple at this point. You found your media host that supports the distribution destinations that you want to find where your audience is, and they make the whole process easy. Just go ahead and let them submit everywhere, right? Well, well, hold the phone there, Joan. It's important to consider that when your media host submits on your behalf, essentially they're acting as the broker for your feed. What does this mean if you ever want to move media hosts? Will they retain ownership at those distribution locations? Can you get your ownership back or can you get the 301 redirect from the various different feeds to go to your new feed? Even in 2023, some folks maintain that you will want to manually submit your podcast for ultimate control so you don't have to worry about that. And quite honestly, we feel that this is a very valid point of view. Some media hosts have come and gone, and there's probably going to be more that leave in the future. Some people are pontificating. Some of these companies are going to cease to exist in the next 12 to 18 months. Heck, it could even be one of the bigger names. Crazier things have happened. So from a pure future-proofing perspective, this is absolutely the way to go. But is it the best overall way to go? Quite frankly, as hobby podcasters in 2023, we think it's not. In fact, Stephen, the self-hosting advocate, even has a modified view based on the landscape change in podcasting since we first started Better Podcasting in 2015. Absolutely. I think that the landscape is different. We've had a lot of places come and go. And you have to kind of look at what the different benefits are with media hosts and some of the ways that they they are managing this potential future-proofing. And there's a lot of benefit to be said by going with media hosts for your RSS feeds and whatnot. And I think that when you look at something like the distribution element of it, it's hard to justify self-hosting your podcast now for, for a hobby podcaster. It's a lot of extra work. But you still need to be aware of the potential downsides that come with using a media host and putting all of your trust in there, which we'll come back to in a second. So as hobby podcasters, you only have so much time to spend on your podcast. And we think there's a balance to be found between control and managing all those what-if scenarios. For hobby podcasters, you may be better served to let a reputable media host take care of distribution to these services rather than investing the manual work that is needed to submit to all the places and manage them long-term. And speaking of long-term, those come with the added benefit of letting somebody else keep their ear to the ground of new locations to possibly distribute your podcast through. For example, will you know about the latest up-and-coming place, or will they be more likely to? Not all podcasters keep up with the latest podcast trends. Many podcasters are just focused more on their content, and let's face it, most hobby podcasters are focused on just having fun with their show. 
but also they may simplify the process for you. For example, as we record this in 2023, we've been talking about how YouTube has quickly shifted towards becoming a place you probably want to think about having your podcast on. But this is different than just even a couple of years ago. But YouTube is video. Do you have the time to create a video version of your podcast, even if it's just a static image over the top of your audio? Well, some media hosts have created ways that they can take care of this for you, and that is a huge time saver. We'll talk more about YouTube later. If you're using a reputable media host, the chances are that if there are odd requirements like this that come up for important distribution destinations, the media host may invest some time into making a process to automate this. That's less manual work for you that you'll have to do, and you'll be able to increase the amount of time that you spend with your podcast, having fun, and that is important for hobby podcasters. But you also should not take this consideration lightly. Because while you may have a huge ownership concern, there may be practical application factors as this is going to significantly decrease your ability to change media hosts. Example, we are with Libsyn. Most of my podcasts are with Libsyn, although my newer shows are not. If we wanted to change, we have to consider what we will lose and that easy ability to submit to different destinations in their destination portal as well as the work necessary for us to migrate to those distribution locations to our new media host. It's not just porting your podcast over. You actually have to worry about where your podcast is being distributed to. Is that going to be manual upkeep going forward, or will there also be a way to allow the new media host to take over that distribution destination? Are you going to have to pay for more feeds? I mean, some are on limited feeds, some are the unlimited feed style. It just depends on the media host. It, it, a lot of media hosts comes down to the quote, it depends. And we can, as Stephen said, that is not a discussion for today, but it depends largely with media hosts. But the last thing that we want to talk about is not playing into the hype of new distribution destinations. Yes, today we've talked a lot about the variety of different places that you might consider having your podcast distributed through. But like so many things in podcasting, companies will frequently come and go. Again, this is all to do with the fact that podcasting as a medium is relatively new. And sometimes when these new areas do show up in town, they might get a little bit more hype than maybe objectively they deserve. For example, they might work out a deal with a certain media host to be an exclusive partner with that media host. Well, that could just be a bit of a ploy to get a little bit of notability and, and recognition on both sides of things. Because if a media host is an exclusive partner, you could bet they're going to talk about that. That's going to help this new distribution location. Plus, it means that the, the actual media host can sit there and say, hey, we're exclusive to this. So it's kind of win-win, and thus sometimes the hype comes up when not necessarily warranted. So just be aware, because you're hearing people talk about something new doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's going to be the latest and greatest thing or the biggest thing ever, and it might very well just fizzle out. So I would caution you if you see a bunch of hype coming up, do your research, see how big of a deal it really is, before you say jump in feet first to migrate to a different media host 
or something like that just for that distribution destination. Really, what you're doing is you're trying to consider your audience as this entire season has been about. If you think it will help reach your potential audience, then maybe put some effort into looking into it and making sure you're listed in this new location. If not, maybe just wait and see. After all, distribution destinations are really all about your audience, making sure it's easy for your audience to access your podcast. By the way, over in our Discord server, we did talk a little bit about this, and we had Waffles talk to us about the idea of challenges with distribution destinations, because we had asked what some of the most challenging things are that people had seen, and Waffles said remembering to check if all, all are still working. Episodes up to date, art going through, that kind of thing. And this is such a good point that we could spend a whole bunch of time on because this can happen where all of a sudden you don't realize your latest episodes aren't going to somewhere. We've had it happen to ourselves. Google Podcasts has been notoriously bad for us with this. And next thing you know, people who are subscribed through some way they don't realize that they're not getting the latest information. And this comes to what he said, things like artwork changes or description changes. Sometimes it's really hard to kick these, these services to get them to pull new information. They should work well, but they don't always work well. And we've had that happen before where podcast artwork has stayed out of date for a long time until there's been some manual form of intervention. So be aware that if you're going out to all of these different locations, even if your media host has made it easy for you, there are things that you might still want to occasionally check in on. Waffles brings up such a good point with this. It is an extra element of maintenance that you kind of got to keep your eyes on, at least at some point. This just happened to me with the latest Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. show that has been published is it did not publish to Listen Notes. Now, Listen Notes is a, a location, kind of like a IMDb, a podcast, basically, but you can also pay, play your podcast through there. I don't get a lot of listens through there, but the latest episode didn't publish there. I waited for a long time for the episode to just pop up a couple of days. I checked yesterday. It's been over a week. I checked yesterday. It's still not up there. So yes, it happens all the time. I still have to diagnose it. But if you are going out to this new hot destination and your show's not popping up, then you're just going to have to go in and debug that. So we're looking forward to what you have done in distributing your podcast through various places. Do you just go with what's in your media host? Do you actually just go to the most popular sites? Do you manually insert that? What do you think about what we said here? We would love to hear what you have to say. You can send us an email podcast at betterpodcasting.com or hit us up on our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. And while you're doing that, let us know. Did you run into any additional challenges with this process when you were launching your podcast? Oh, and what about other thoughts that you had when you were launching your podcast? Because that topic is on deck for next week. This is the Better Podcasting Download. This past week, there was an article that came out over at Bloomberg about YouTube. Now, we've been talking about YouTube and that it is now a podcast destination. We're still figuring out. I think YouTube is still figuring out. I think everybody's still figuring it out. But this article was like, hey, this was supposed to be great, but not so much. We're going to talk about it and what it means for you as a hobby podcaster. It was titled Massive Podcast Networks 
put their shows on YouTube, but nobody is listening. And the key stat in there, it's talking about NPR and Slate, two of the bigger podcast networks and, you know, the, 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 the commoditization, the professional ones. But here we go. They, they have a lot. They have millions of downloads, millions of subscribers. Here's the quote from the article. Quote, but despite their impressive reach elsewhere, these networks podcasts aren't doing so well on YouTube. Slate shows an average around 75 views per video over the past week, while NPR was around 179. The New York Times performed slightly better, especially the Daily, but that show, one of the biggest in the world, still only received around 1,000 views on average over the past week, unquote. So that's views, which could be seen by anybody. The question is the analytics behind the scenes there, where how long those people actually stuck around. Everybody that knows the back end of YouTube's know that the watch time is really the key stat. Like it could have just been people clickbaiting because it was promoted and you get into it and they're like, oh no, this is just a static podcast or whatever. I haven't seen these shows, so I don't know if it's static image or not. But what the implication of this article is, is even the big podcast networks aren't getting anything out of YouTube, which is supposed to be huge. All right. <laughs> I have some thoughts here. I do. I have a lot of thoughts here. But Stephen, what are your thoughts? Uh, the thing that I, I thought when I read this article is that it's early. Like, you know, if we look at the trends with podcasting, how long has it been before we saw a, a new app that seemed really feature ridden to pick up steam and YouTube as a podcast provider, not what has been, which is people putting their podcasts on YouTube. It's so new. It's only been a push over the last month or so, whatever it was that the official big launch came and they put out all that information about YouTube podcasts and then the recommendation. It hasn't been that long. And so to try to speculate this, I think that it's, it is premature because I think that if there's going to be a big push, we have to wait to have people open up to this idea. They have to discover that YouTube podcast is actually okay to do. You're going to need to get more content there. And right now, a lot of podcast creators are still living in the, the past, which is where it wasn't a great idea to invest your time in there. So I think there's a bunch of factors, both from the audience, the, the listenership reasons, and also people needing to realize that it's okay to now put your podcast on there that need to change before this matters at all. Whether you're doing a static image show or a talking head show like we're doing, or you want to put some animation in there that is relevant to the podcast. I'm not talking about the animation that you put over just so there's scrolling video over your voice. I'm talking about actual video like uh, what is it called with VTubing where you have an animated character talking as you or whatever. I think you should put the effort into it if you're going to do YouTube. And YouTube has a search engine in it. There's an algorithm that's behind that. So just be aware that if people aren't hitting and staying, YouTube's not going to continue to serve it up. There is not a proven yay or nay yet on the podcast lists. And I don't, as Stephen was saying, I don't know what the long-term implications are going to be there. I think YouTube is just trying to slip one underneath the net, so to speak, in that, uh, hey, we have podcasts too. 
come over to YouTube and you don't have to spend time over on Spotify or whatever, and then buy YouTube Red or whatever it is, the YouTube Premium. Buy YouTube Premium so you can play this stuff without the screen going. All legitimate, you know, YouTube versus Spotify companies going after each other, mono e mono, as we were talking about earlier. I think it's important to be here. If you're a hobby podcast and you're getting like the average number of listens, which I've seen stats from Buzzsprout, I've seen stats from Libsyn, you know, the average is somewhere around 125 to 150, maybe 200, somewhere in there of within the first seven or 30 days, you have the most downloads. If you get a few from YouTube, you're doing good. If you get 10 from YouTube, if you're doing 25 from YouTube, I think 20 for a hobby podcast, I think 25 is you're now actually you have an audience and you're being found right for a hobby podcast. That's my opinion. I have no stats to back that up. Just my experience. Anything more than that is bonus. So strive for that. Let's go get your audience. And, and YouTube is one of the few places where you can increase engagement too. Like if you're on Apple podcasts or through your podcast app, where you're on Spotify, there's not a great community on there that's specifically focused on the channel, on the podcast list, or on the specific video or, you know, the audio file if you're somewhere else. This is a place where you can get your audience to interact back and forth. So yeah, I think it's important to consider releasing your podcast to YouTube because it's just going to benefit you long term. Even with the static image, like I don't think I would have before this YouTube podcast thing, I don't think I would have said, go ahead and upload a static image because you're just not going to do well with the algorithm and you're going to break your channel where YouTube's never going to focus on it anymore. That might be the case long term with the podcast, but we don't know that yet. And we hope that they're going to actually try to, you know, feed that podcast wolf eventually so that it gets some more views. So that's just what I'm saying. It's, most of the time, it's really easy to do either through your podcast provider or you pick up a free editor like DaVinci Resolve and you throw a static image in there and you upload it to YouTube. I will go as far as to say uh, that that you would most definitely not have said it before because you definitely said it against the idea of uploading to YouTube before. We both have. And that was because at the time it, w- it was not accepted all the metrics said that it should be video related. All the push from YouTube was all surrounding video. But once a company makes an active effort to, to, to support things like podcasts and audio medium on, on their platform like YouTube is doing here, well, now they have to accept that there is going to be things like a static image in there. And, and like you said, who knows in the future? So I think I agree. I think it's still worth it for sure for a hobby podcaster to put the effort in there right now. Maybe in the future, something will change and Google will abandon it again like they do so many different things with podcasts. That might happen. And and at that case, it probably isn't worth your time if they go back to the way it used to be. But at the moment, it's growing. And think about it. If somebody is using YouTube podcasts to try to find podcasts, right now, there's a lot of people who aren't embracing it. So, hey, look, you're in there. And the pool of potential competition is smaller than on many other platforms. So that could be a benefit to you. And the last thing I'll say on this is that we've said it before 
I'm going to say it again. I'm going to footstop this. I don't care what the technical definition of a podcast is. I know what it is. I actually agree with it, but the public in general doesn't care. They will call a show on YouTube or even on TikTok or, you know, Instagram or whatever. They will call it a podcast. If it's outside of normal media, they'll just say, hey, I was watching a podcast. There are kids that don't watch any linear television whatsoever, even if it's through like YouTube TV or whatever. They just don't do it. They get all their video through services or YouTube. So yeah, they're going to call it a podcast. Get your show on there. I don't care that it's not technically a podcast. It's what they call a podcast and they're going to watch you or consume you or listen to you there for it. So again, I throw the pie in the face of the industry that wants to be hard over. No, this is the technical <laughs> definition of a podcast. I've heard it so many times just in the last couple of weeks. Again, I don't care and neither does the public. Just let them call it whatever they want to and then run with it and then get your views, get your audience. So we'd love to know what are your thoughts about this. Come on over to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this. You can also email podcast at betterpodcasting.com or you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com slash contact. Also, if you would like, you can go ahead and post a YouTube video talking about how you have created a podcast on there dedicated towards giving us feedback about podcasts on YouTube. There you go. There's a little inception moment for you. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. All right, we had a comment and, and people people want to see the podcast that I, I pitched last week, right, SP? Yes. They want to get Steven's super terrific, excitable podcasting about paint drying or step to do it. We had a response from Weco Widow. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rob from Smoking and Drinking in Space and Smoking and Drinking in Capes. He said, hey, Steven, when are you releasing the Steven's super terrific, excitable podcasting about paint drying? And is this going to be a play-by-play -play type of format? I want to know the second a section of that paint dries. This could be an epic podcast. You have different dry times based on materials, paint type, temperature, humidity, thickness of the application. There are at least 100 episodes that could be done. Sign me up. I like this idea because whenever I've thought about Steven's paint drying podcast before, I've always thought it would be like, you know, a, a long-term thing, kind of like this podcast. You put out a new episode, you talk about something new. Maybe it's a it's a new technique with paint drying. But with, with this idea here, I think it's more of like a like a seasonal format where it would be like you you have to start at episode one and work your way through. It would be the story of paint drying. I like it. I'll be honest with you. I've watched enough sailing YouTube channels that have to redo their hull with their bottom paint. I mean, it's like a rite of passage for a YouTube sailing channel to do a bottom job. There is a lot of paint drying on those. So there are already hundreds of episodes available on YouTube about sailboat paint drying. You could interview every single one of those creators about their experience with paint drying on their hulls. 
Well, I will go ahead and uh, put that one on the shelf, the shelf of podcasts that I need to do. The paint shelf of podcasting. Uh, we also had Anthony give a follow-up comment about the TikTok comment that you mentioned, right, SP? Yeah, he was following up on the fact that I said he had a TikTok channel because the last time I talked to him, he was actively working a TikTok channel. Well, this is his response, literally says in my response. So, quote, in my response to Stargate Pioneer's mention of our TikTok account, ye, we have one, but I haven't put much on there. We've got like two videos. That's it. I have lots of ideas for more videos, but it's about finding the time. And with the limited time I do have, if it comes down to editing a TikTok video to promote the show versus editing the actual podcast, well, he says, obviously, uh, unquote, by the way, he says, obviously, uh, yeah, he's going to edit the podcast. And Damien followed up with, I'm in the same boat with TikTok. Gentlemen, you are making my point for me. However, I will say this segues perfectly into an exciting piece of feedback that we got after we recorded this past week, and it came from Liberty Dude. Yes, because if you go back a few episodes, we talked about the idea of someone creating feedback through TikTok. So this is what happened. And for you, the audio listener, you're going to be a little bit lost. That's okay. We'll explain afterwards. That's fine. Just go with it. You'll hear us. It's a recap. And then we'll be back in a moment. And if you say something, we'll probably mention it on the podcast. And, and the last place that I will suggest right now, and this is, this is what I'm going to encourage you to do right now, actually, is create a TikTok video because SP is not on there, but I'll make sure that he sees it. So create a TikTok video with a dance, okay? With a dance as you are expressing that feedback to us make it posted out there and hey when you do that you'll also be promoting the show so uh, go go ahead and do that tiktok we don't have a tiktok but make it over there with a dance tiktok video with a dance tiktok video with a dance tiktok 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 <laughs> that was so funny i love that video seriously <laughs> it was so good because we finished recording last episode and then i was doing my usual post recording thing where i'm i'm running around doing getting the kids dinner ready or whatever taking the dog out doing all these things all at one time and i get this message from you and you're just like look at the discord right now so i immediately in look. all caps it, in all, all caps. caps yeah so i go and i look and it was so funny so for those of you who are listening to the audio it was liberty dude of course watching us on a very large futuristic screen on his wall you couldn't even tell that there was a tv it, it was just so clear you, I would swear the picture was just edited and it was such a clear TV. Anyways, he's watching that and then he ends up snapping to which he does the TikTok dance, giving us uh, not really feedback, but still it was a TikTok dance to us and our music. And I really liked the way that I was featured in that video because I think that, you know, I, I, uh, my voice makes a good TikTok sound effect. So there we go. 
that I, that's just me being conceited but no seriously that was a lot of fun i have watched that video far more than i care to admit uh thank you very much liberty dude that really made my day and we thank you yes thank you very much liberty dude that was awesome and you get special kudos and yeah let us know what you want to promote we're going to promote it just let us know and we'll slip one in there and then uh john s badger also said in response to a special segment we had last week, love the new hobby podcast profile segment. That was very special. Steven, you put a lot of work into that. I know Anthony put a lot of work to that when he recorded it. So I'm glad we got to share it with everybody. And I look forward to more hobby podcast profile segments. And if you are interested in being on the hobby podcaster profile, please do get in touch with us. Email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. We'd love to hear from you. And then we can uh, talk to you about that and maybe ask you some follow-up questions before we give you the questions to answer. So that'd be great. If you're interested, let us know. And if we end up with a whole influx of them, we have a plan. We're, we're, it might be seasonal, but we have a plan to be able to continue them all year round. So feel free to reach out because we would love to have a big backlog of hobby podcaster profile segments. Indeed. Stephen, I had a lot of fun tonight talking about everything. We're talking about podcast destinations that you publish to. We talked about YouTube being a specific destination, whether we would approve of that of being a destination these days or not. We talked about a lot of a great feedback that we got from our audience. Thank you so much for interacting with us throughout the week. We really appreciate it. And I'm also going to just kick off maybe what might eventually be a recurring little piece here towards the end of the show, or maybe not. It might be a one-time thing because I, I want to get behind the scenes a little bit here and, and share a little bit of technical insights because we do have a lot of people who comment about us doing videos and whatnot. And they, they, uh, you know, tr truth be told, a lot of times we do get positive comments about them, but I want to share the, the ugly side of doing video work and things like that as well. And some of the challenges that we run into. And there's two things today that I want to mention. Number one, last week we talked about how you got yourself a brand new fiber connection. And that means that I can pull a whole bunch more video quality from you. Well, today in Video Ninja, before we started, we had this weird thing happening where you were super pixelated, even though we had full quality, full bandwidth coming through. It was like you didn't have a lot of resolution to your frame, to which I looked at the settings and the resolution in Video Ninja was set at like 640 by 480, which is very small considering he should be sending me minimum at 1080p feet. Well, not p, 1080 feet, which is 1920 pixels wide by 1080 high. And I went and I just keyed a couple of settings in there and it, it looked amazing. And I have to say, like, I think that maybe Video Ninja has been going a little bit lower in resolution for a while now because you are, are remarkably clearer to me today. And so it's something we're going to have to dive into, but it's another layer that we have added to the mess by doing a video podcast that, that we enjoy doing, but it's another thing on my to-do list now. I did confirm last week when we recorded Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I cannot pull from my co-hosts a 1080 feed, let alone a 4K feed. So I 
don't know if it will make sense for me to leave StreamYard into Video Ninja and OBS, but I still want to experiment with it. So I will be doing that, but I think Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. will remain on StreamYard for now. The only counter that I'll put out there is that if StreamYard can can throttle it, then um, there's no reason you can't throttle it with video because you can be recording 1080 but pulling lesser from them. So and and that's what StreamYard's basically doing is reducing its bit rate. So you actually, as the producer, have the ability to reduce how much you're pulling from them. So uh, I'm not letting you get off that free that that easily. You you have the full control of video, so you could. Uh, you but could. the problem is I do have control and I would have to manually control it, which is an extra step. Yeah. So if you just want the easy touch and go, you know, record button sort of thing, StreamYard is definitely the better out of the two. I recognize that the better out of the two in terms of quality is going to be video, especially for the price. Oh, for sure. No, not, no, I'm not disputing that. That's, you know, whether they had full fiber connections or not, it's still a, a lot more steps to do video without question. So 100% there with you. All uh, right. The second thing that I wanted to comment as well is we started streaming a little bit late today. And the reason why was because, again, we ran into technical issues because with this brand new fiber connection, getting this high quality feed from SP, I thought, let's try to actually set up OBS, the the platform the software that we use to compile this video let's set it up in full 4k resolution and things just went wrong uh they went very wrong took a, a lot of extra setup to get everything all readjusted to the proper resolution because obs didn't apparently play nice when i changed resolutions but also then my camera started to flicker weird which is weird because i have a very modern computer modern graphics card uh modern camera so i'll have to look into that but yet another thing that became a challenge by by us trying to make a change on the video side of things, which was not necessary for us. So just throwing it out there. It's not all glamorous. But what is glamorous <laughs> is our audience. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week. So for episode number 278 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, where did you listen to us tonight? What podcast directory was it? Or was it just in your head? I'm Steven saying, oh my, oh my. I'm actually SP. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.